Well, I just want to welcome everyone here to Embrace at all of our campuses. We're so excited that you're here. Truly pumped that you have come. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. And on a personal level, just honored that you would join us. Truly honored that you are here, whether it's your first time or you've been coming for years. Honestly, we're overjoyed that you've come. My only hope for all of us is that this wouldn't be a service that we come in and out of. Instead, it would become a church family for all of us. That we take a step out of our comfort zone and we would get connected with other people who love Jesus as well. So that we'd be encouraged and challenged in our own lives. Now, it is kind of random to share uh, today, but something personal that I haven't shared with all of you yet uh, is that Beck and I, my wife and I, we recently added two new family members into the Weber family. It just kind of felt like something was missing in our lives. It just felt like our life was not insane enough. And so we, again, we just added two new members into the family, and their names are Shirley and Charlotte, two beautiful chickens <laughs> Of course. Now the quick story is we already had four chickens that we got when they were chicks. And so they grew up and they love each other and everything is fantastic for the four of them. But a few months back, uh, we turned our backyard shed into a chicken coop. And yes, we are strange like that. And yes, our neighbors love us. At least we think they love us. They haven't said otherwise. But with this change, we had some more room to add two new chickens into the Weber coop. We are now at the maximum of six. So we're going to stop there. But if you don't know anything about chickens, there is a very clear pecking order with chickens. I mean, there is one chicken who is clearly in charge, and when we had four chickens, four, that was clearly our chicken named Red. And Red is named Red because she's Red. She's a Rhode Island Red. She's great. But so there was Red, and then there was the next chicken, the next chicken, the next chicken, the next chicken. This pecking order is established by dominance, which is great, and is usually not a big deal for chickens until you randomly decide to add two new adult chickens into your coop. And so we went and got Shirley and Charlotte from a farm outside of town. I picked the names myself, which is why their names are awesome, right? And so I picked the names, and uh, we brought them back home in a cardboard box, and I brought them into the coop. And when I opened up the box... I thought I might cause like some division, you know, like when I opened up the box, I thought I might cause some problems, maybe a little bit of drama. A lady this week, it was a lady, a lady this week told me anytime there are six ladies in the same room together in a small place, there is going to be drama. I'm a guy, so I do not know if that's true, but seriously though, I had no idea that when I opened up this box that I was about to unleash H-E double hockey stick in our chicken coop. No kidding. I open up the box. The two birds come out. Red sees them. She immediately hates them. And all of a sudden, an MMA fighting chicken style match is in my backyard. And they're pecking each other and their bodies slamming each other. And it's not good. Like the first day, I was checking them every 30 minutes to make sure everyone was all right. The next morning, I came out. I kid you not. The next day, and they are still like talking smack to each other. They're like yelling at each other. I'm like, what is going on? But seriously, though, the whole time, I just kept worrying that they were going to hurt each other. Like, I just kept worrying this whole time that one of them was going to get hurt. Now, now switching to us, thankfully, as human beings, we are so much smarter and nicer and kinder than a bunch of chickens, right? I'll answer for you, I wish, right? I mean, whether it's two strangers, two friends, two family members, two coworkers, we are so quick to wrong each other, aren't we? So quick to peck each other, so quick to beat each other up. It's like as human beings, we are so quick to hurt one another. And it might sound kind of strange, but that night, as I stood in my coop, 
watching these six demon-possessed chickens, all I could think to myself is so often this right here is life. Because I stood there just watching them, just like beating the crap out of each other. I was like, so often this right here is human beings. Like so often this right here is just people trying to hurt one another. Now in the Bible, when it comes to, to two people hurting each other, there are so many stories that we could look at. You open up the Bible, there's Adam and Eve, there's Cain and Abel. But one of the very first stories that comes to mind for me is the story of two brothers. The story of two brothers named Jacob and Esau. And if we have our Bibles with us today, I just want to encourage us to open them up right now to the book of Genesis chapter 25. Open it up, use the Bible on your phone, use any Bible you want to use. Genesis chapter 25, it's in the Old Testament. It's the first book of the Bible. But just to set the story up for us, Today I'm going to really just try and tell the story as best as I can. This first part of the story, so follow along. I'm just going to keep it to the high points of the story because there's so much to say. And honestly, later today, I would encourage all of us to go pick up Genesis and read the entire story of Jacob and Esau. But jumping in, we've maybe heard about a man named Abraham before, right? Well, Abraham, he had a son named Isaac. And Isaac has a powerful story himself. I mean, at one point, Isaac's dad, Abraham, again, at one point, Isaac's dad almost kills him, which is kind of weird and crazy and powerful in a strange sort of way. But at the age of 40, Isaac pleads with the Lord to have a kid of his own, and we're told that the Lord answers him. And Isaac's wife, Rebecca, becomes pregnant with two boys. She is having twins. Just quick side note, be careful what you pray for, okay? That's a, that's a dangerous thing. If you have twins at Embrace, you are a much better person than I am. If you're expecting twins, I will pray for your souls right, right now. But again, there's these two brothers, and get this, even in the womb, they start wrestling and pushing each other. Like, even before they're born, they're trying to hurt each other. And a random fact, at the time of the story, the first son to be born in a family is a big, big deal. I mean, after the dad, the oldest son is seen as the head of the household, and they receive what is called the family birthright, which means they receive a greater inheritance. They receive twice the amount of everyone else. But get this, before the two sons, before the two brothers are born, God comes and tells mom and dad that the older son will actually serve the younger son. Again, at the time of this story, this would have been crazy. And so the two brothers are born, and we're told that the first brother comes out and he is covered in hair. Like hair as thick as a fur coat and his name is Esau. And what does Esau translate to? It's really, really deep. Hair. His name, it means hair. And I'm surprised more parents don't name their kids Esau. Speaking of hair, and this is maybe TMI. I went back and forth on saying this. A few weeks back, I was getting ready one morning. And my daughter looked at me and she said, Daddy, you have lots of hair, but you don't have any hair on your head. And I was like, honey, thank you so much for pointing that out. And so I... I personally love Esau. We have a very deep connection. But then his brother Jacob is born. And as he's born, Jacob is literally holding on to the leg of Esau. And so the two brothers are born and their relationship is already off to a rocky start. But they grow up. And then stick with me now. I'm going to share a little bit more. They, they grow up. These two brothers do. And Esau becomes a good dude who likes to hunt while Jacob is kind of lazy and he likes to be a jerk. And one day Esau comes home and he's been out hunting for his family and he is literally starving to death. And what does Jacob do? Jacob tells him, he says, hey Esau, I'll give you some food if you give me the family birthright. Again, his brother is starving to death. Why? Because he's been out hunting for the family. And Jacob says, I will give you something to eat if you hand over being the man of the house. 
I'll give you something to eat if you give me the greater inheritance. And because Esau has no options, he says, yes, translation, Jacob is the biggest tool bag ever, okay? And so there's that, but it gets worse. Time passes, and near the end of their dad's life, the dad is wanting to give the family blessing. Now, the family blessing is different than the family birthright. As we said, the birthright is based on when you're born, where the family blessing is given by the dad of the house to who he wants to bless. It's a special blessing from the dad to the son or the daughter of his choice. And so the dad is near the end of his life, and he calls for his son Esau because he wants to bless Esau, the son that he dearly loves. And while Jacob finds out about this, and so what does Jacob do? Jacob tricks his dad, who is now blind. And he literally puts on Esau's clothes, and he covers himself in goatskin, so he's hairy like his brother. And again, he tricks, and he lies to his blind father, and he convinces him that he is Esau. And what happens? Well, Jacob receives a special family blessing. And as soon as the dad, as soon as Isaac is done praying over Jacob, Esau walks in, and he sees what's happening. And he says, Dad, that's not me, that's Jacob. And Esau begins to dad his, beg his dad to bless him. And the dad begins shaking uncontrollably because he's so hurt and upset. But the dad says, son, Esau, it's too late. Esau, it's too late because I've already blessed your brother, Jacob. Well, needless to say, we're told that from that time on, that Esau hated Jacob. Esau hated Jacob. And just a quick poll for a show of hands at all of our campuses. Does anyone here want to help strangle Jacob with me? You know, does anyone here just want to tag team with Esau and body slam his brother? I mean, I truly cannot imagine the hate. And I can't imagine the hurt that has to be inside of Esau. I just can't imagine the hate and the hurt inside of him. And so that's the first part of our story for this series. And I know it's a lot to take in. But a couple of months back, I read through the book of Genesis for like the hundredth time. And every time I do the story of Jacob and Esau, it just grabs my attention. Again, I've read through it so many times before, but every time I go through Genesis, I read through the story of Jacob and Esau, and somehow, some way, it just grabs my heart. It like just grabs the deepest part of me, and I think it does. Why? Because life is so filled with hurt, isn't it? I think it just grabs me. Why? Because life is just so filled with being hurt by one another, and it might look different than Jacob and Esau, but as human beings, as we said earlier, we are so quick to wrong and hurt each other. And I'm just guessing that at some point, all of us, at all of our campuses, all of us have been wronged by someone. I'm just guessing across our campus, every single one of us has been hurt by someone else. Possibly in ways that we can't even begin to explain. Possibly in ways that we can't even describe. Possibly in ways that we don't even understand ourselves. But now when you read through the story, at least for myself, it's easy to put myself in Esau's shoes and just think about the times that I've been hurt. But for today, I want us to do the hard work and put ourselves in Jacob's shoes. I mean, it's easy to think about the times that we've been wronged and we've, we've been hurt by others. But for today, we're going to start off this series today by talking about the times that we have hurt others ourselves. And ouch, right? And so just being honest with yourself, I just wonder, have you ever been Jacob? Have you ever been Jacob? And maybe it looked different than our story, but have you ever hurt or wronged someone yourself? A friend, your ex, a coworker, a family member, 
your neighbor a complete stranger? I mean, have you ever just lied and been deceptive? Have you ever just been so jealous of someone? Have you ever been selfish and you just decided to do exactly what you wanted? You were, you were selfish and you just did what felt right. It's just even more straightforward. Have you ever just been flat out a jerk? And maybe a better question to ask is not if, but when have you been Jacob? And when have I been Jacob? And in big ways and small ways, I just want to get specific and ask, who have we wronged? I just want to get really specific, and I know this is, this is holy, sensitive ground I'm walking on, but, but who have we hurt? To get really, really specific, not just people in general, like, like what's their name? What's their name? Who, who are they? And as he came in today, he should have been given one of these cards, and I just, this might be hard, but I just want to encourage us right now to take it, take it out. And whatever that name is, I just want to challenge you right now to write it down. Whatever name came to mind for you, when you just thought about that person that, that, that you just know you hurt, you wrong, I just want to challenge you right now to, to write it down. And maybe it's a few names that you need to write down. Do not write down their last name, but just write down their first name. Who is that person? Again, at all of our campuses right now, take out your pen. Who is that person? I just, I just want us to write down the names of people that we've hurt. Just, just write it down. Again, what are the names that come to mind for you? Who are they? What's their name? Maybe it's someone in your, in your life, a close loved one. Maybe it's someone that you haven't talked to in 10 years. Like, who's that person that you just need to write down? And I just would press us and challenge us to do so right now. Like, what's their name? Who are they? Just, just write it down. Okay, so more than just asking who we have hurt and who have we wronged, the important thing to figure out is when we do hurt someone and we do wrong someone, what's important to know and more than just knowing what's important to follow through with is how do we begin to make things right? Like how do we begin to heal the other person that we have hurt? And just to be clear, there are so many things that we could mention in each of our situations, and then the names on our card are all completely different, and so I'm not going to even attempt to cover everything. But for today, I just want to highlight two simple truths from our story. And so once more, when we've hurt someone ourselves, how do we begin to make things right? The first step is this, admit it. When we've hurt someone, what's the first step we can take? Just admit, actually admit when we've hurt someone. And this seems so simple. It's like, Pastor, do we really got to mention that? But just looking at Jacob, he wrongs his brother big time. Like, seriously, Jacob is the scum of the earth, and yet it takes years. Scratch that. It takes decades before he begins to show any signs of remorse. I mean, it's just so hard to admit it, isn't it? And we can convince ourselves of anything. And we can be complete jerks and yet still find a way to blame the other person. And it was their fault. And did you hear what they said? And they did this to me and they made me and they deserve this. Here's some hard love for us. Stop blaming everyone else. Some hard love from a, a guy who loves you. Stop pointing your fingers at the person on the card. Stop passing on the blame and just, just admit it. I mean, how much stronger would our marriages be if we were quick to admit when we screwed up? 
And how much better would our relationships with family members be? How much better would our relationship with our ex be? How much better would our work life be if we, not someone else, not our spouse, not our ex, not our sibling, not someone else, but if we were quick to admit our wrongs? And honestly, one of the clearest signs of being a deep Christian and someone who really loves Jesus is the person who is quick to admit when they've screwed up. You want to see someone who's close to Jesus? Look for the person who is quick to say, I made a mistake. It was my bad. It was my fault. I hurt you. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? One more time, when it comes to healing a relationship, when it comes to making things right, we first have to admit it. We have to admit when we've hurt someone. So that's the first step we can take. And then secondly, when we hurt someone, What's another step that we can and have to take? As followers of Jesus, it's not an option, but we have to take it. Hear this, we should humble ourselves. We should humble ourselves. And we're going to talk some more about this part of the story next week, but later on in the story, it is powerful. Do not miss next week. But later on, Jacob ends up reconnecting with his brother Esau, and he's scared to death that Esau is going to kill him, and rightfully so. But when Jacob meets Esau, before knowing how Esau will respond, the very first thing Jacob does is he runs up and he falls on the ground before Esau and he bows before him seven times. He just runs before him, he falls on his knees, and he starts bowing seven times. And at this time, bowing seven times like this was a sign of complete humility. Seven is God's perfect number, and it was the ultimate way of saying, you are in control. It was Jacob's way of declaring, I was wrong, and I fully admit it, and more than my words, I'm willing to humble myself and make things right. More than just my words, I'm willing to fall on the ground before you, bow seven times as a way of humbling myself before you. And switching to us, what does it mean for us? Like, what does this mean, humbling ourselves? With the name on this card, it means speaking the words, will you forgive me to them? But more than just our words with the name on this card, humbling ourselves means making changes in our life so we don't keep making the same mistake. It's like from here on out, I'm turning my life. From here on out, I'm repenting, I'm turning, and I'm running in the opposite direction. Humbling ourselves means I took this from you, and I did this to you, and so now I'm giving back double of what I took. Humbling ourselves means I cheated on you, and I'm willing to earn back your trust. I don't deserve your trust, but I'm willing to earn it. And I'm willing to get help. And I'm not going to wait for you to get the counselor set up. Instead, I'm the one who made the mistake, and so I'm setting it up. I'm going to swallow my pride, and I'm going to do everything I can to earn your trust. Humbling ourselves means I said this to you, and I don't ever want to say it again. Ever again. Humbling ourselves means asking, what can I do to make things right? And then actually doing it. Once more, when we've wronged someone, when we've hurt someone, one of the most powerful steps we can take is to truly humble ourselves. Now, back to the name on this card. If you, if you haven't written the name down yet, I just want to encourage you to do so. Why? Because there's something powerful that happens when we, when we write something down and we actually see it with our own eyes. And today, we're going to close with a song and we're going to take the offering. And we're just going to have us at all of our campuses, we're going to have us drop these cards into the offering basket as it goes by. And we just want to encourage you to do this. Why? As a, as a way of confessing this before God. As, as a way of acknowledging it before Him. And then one step further, sometime today or this, this week, if we haven't done so before, maybe we have, but if we haven't done so before with the name of this card, 
even if it's something small that we did, I just want to challenge us to admit, to admit our wrong to this person, to just admit to them, ideally face-to-face, that we hurt them, and ask them to forgive us. And more than just our words, I just want to press us to truly humble ourselves. And if there's an action that we just know we need to take, that we would follow through with whatever God lays on our heart, if, if we just know God lays something on our heart, I, I challenge us, don't see it as an option, see it as a command from God himself. Once more, though, I can't say it strongly enough, each of our situations are so different. And if we're unsure of what we can or should do, if we're unsure of what's best for the other person, which is important, I just encourage us to speak with someone we trust, a wise counsel in our life, someone who loves Jesus. Talk with your small group about it. Find out what they think. Reach out to a camp's pastor, grab coffee, and ask it, talk it through with them. Once more, though, this week, with a name on our card, I just pray that we'd admit our hurt, that we'd admit our wrongs, that we'd ask for forgiveness, and that we'd just humble ourselves before them. This, with this one person, with this, these five people, that we just go and that we'd at, admit our wrongs. This week, I know for myself, I was reminded that once again, life is so short. Just reminded of how short life is. I just think about the name on these cards. And maybe it's a random coworker that we you know, don't even work with, but maybe it's a spouse of ours. Maybe it's a sibling of ours. Maybe it's our dad. I just, I just think, man, particularly if they're still alive, what better time than now to, to deal with some things, especially when we've heard or wronged someone ourselves. The last thing I want to say today is this, with the person on this card, even if we admit our mistakes and we humble ourselves, it does not mean that they will forgive us. I mean, we can do everything possible to make things right, but we cannot control how the other person will respond. We can and we need to do our own part, but how the other person responds is completely out of our control. Basically, hear this, how the other person responds is not our, not our part. The other person may not forgive us, but get this, our God, he will. The other person may never in this lifetime ever forgive us for what we've done, but God, he will forgive us. Like No matter what we've done, no matter how ugly it was or is, when we confess our sins, when we confess our wrongs, when we admit our mistakes, when we bring these things to God, we ask God to change us, God, he promises to forgive us. And because of this, we do not need to carry around our shame anymore. Because of this, we don't need to be defined by what we've done years ago. Instead, again, God forgives us. And how do we know this? I just look at Jacob. Even after all the crap he's done, God not only forgives Jacob, but he uses Jacob. Like, like God goes on to use Jacob in amazing ways. He still has a future. God uses him and his family for amazing things. Does not define him. One last time, when we've wronged someone, when we've hurt someone, when we ourselves have been Jacob, the other person may not forgive us, but our God, he will every single time. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, we, we come to this story today, this powerful, deep, overwhelming story, and it's easy to put ourselves in Esau's shoes, what we're going to do next week, but, but for today, we, we put ourselves in Jacob's, and you know, for myself, I just... There's all these different people that start coming to mind for me. 
with some of them, it's situations that I've already dealt with and I've admitted my mistakes and I've attempted to make things right, but there's also some other people that I haven't, Lord. For all of us across our campuses, whatever those names are, this week we bring them before you as a way of acknowledging our sin to you, God. Acknowledging our mistakes, our screw-ups. And so we just lay them at your feet. But this week, Lord, would you give us the courage to step out and to admit our wrong to someone, to ask for forgiveness. Give us the courage to step out and humble ourselves, Lord that we put ourselves out there, even if we get hurt again by them. We just put ourselves out, Lord, and just this week when we do everything we can to make things right, everything we can to help heal the other person that we have hurt. Lord, we love you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.